Hey guys, what's up? It's Beth. I first need to let you all know that I am recording this episode in my car in the garage because I have two tiny little kids. Well, Preston's not tiny, but Bentley is. And there is no quiet place at all. So I'm hiding in my car. So that feels good. (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about what I did after I found out about Mike's addiction about I let me rephrase that what I did when I found out how bad Mike's addiction was meaning when Preston was taken out of his house by the police so the first thing is I did not feel safe I didn't feel like my son would be safe because Mike was the only other person in the whole wide world who was supposed to keep Preston safe like I did, was supposed to love and care for him the way I did. And he didn't. He put him in danger over and over and over again. And so to me, nothing was safe. I didn't want to leave him anywhere. I didn't want to leave him with anyone. So I called my paramedic school. I was in my last two weeks of paramedic school. I called my instructor and I said, here's the deal. I'm not, I'm done. I am not coming back. Um, this happened and I told them the situation. Um, and right now I just don't feel like my son is safe. And so I'm not coming back. My son is way more important. And they were like, oh, okay, drama queen, let's tone it down. Why don't you take a week and then we'll get a hold of you and, and figure something out. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine but I'm not doing it. I'm done. I'm dropping out. Got off the phone. So for that week, like I said, nothing felt safe to me, not even school, but I didn't want Preston to know that he was five and just had this traumatic thing happen. I.e., the police taking him out of his dad's house, whether he saw that as traumatic or not, when he looks back as an adult, he's going to be like, holy shit, that was intense. So I didn't want to disrupt his schedule any more than his life had already been disrupted. So he still went to school. But like I have said 55 times, probably getting annoying by now, I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel that my son was safe. So at the time, I had a family member working in the school who filled in the principle of what was going on. And I literally would drop him off at school and then sit in the parking lot all day long. The entire school day didn't leave once. I would sit in the parking lot because I was terrified (laughs) that Mike was going to come there and take him and I wouldn't see him again. So that's what I did. I sat in the parking lot like a total creep and I tried to hide it from Preston. I don't think Preston knew that I was out there, but the principal definitely did. And it was maybe Wednesday, middle of the week. He comes out to my window and he says, "Um, hey, Beth, so I heard what happened. And I am so, so sorry that happened. But I need you to know that Preston is safe here. You don't have to sit in the parking lot. And I started sobbing uncontrollably. And he's like, hey, you know what? Actually, it's cool. You can stay here. You can hang out in the parking lot. That's totally fine. Are you hungry? We have extra lunches. Uh, And I told him now, rolled up my window, and I just went about my business of sitting in my car. Like a total psycho. 
but I knew my baby was safe that way. So that's what I did. Um, flash forward to the next week, the paramedic school, my instructor got a hold of me and said, so listen, we understand that this is, you know, extenuating circumstances. If it would make you more comfortable, you only have finals left. Why don't you bring Preston to school with you and he can sit right next to you as you take your finals. You won't have to leave him. And I was overcome with gratitude because that's a big deal. So, yep, me and my five-year-old went to paramedic school, took my finals, and I became a paramedic. And I will forever be grateful to those instructors because I very well could have just been done. And I would have been fine with it. Not one part of me would have ever regretted dropping out. My son needed me. But they said, no, you are worth more than that. (laughs) We will work this out with you. And they did. And I will be forever grateful. So I graduated, got my medic license, whatever. So after that, after sitting in the parking lot, we went and we did the hair follicle drug test, which I had to go in the very sketchy part of the hood and for lack of a better word and get him hair follically drug tested with all the other people who are on parole and like probably had drug charges it was sketchy as hell and do you want to know how they take a hair follicle drug test they literally shave circles into your head it's not like they they just shave it from the bottom like it looks like a bad haircut nope dead center of his head where it's the longest cut circles out of his hair and so he is on my phone like watching tv or something I was distracting him because I was sobbing he's like mom why do I have to do this and I'm like well honey it's like a doctor checkup they have to check your hair and make sure it's growing okay I was a mess I was a mess that was it was awful. Anyway, it was awful. So he had to go get a like a buzz cut after that, which is fine. Whatever. Hair grows back. No big deal. It was just the whole situation sucked. And I don't know if I mentioned in my last video, but his hair follicle drug test came back negative. He had no drugs in his system. So that was amazing. We, at the time that this all happened, we were on the docket for child support a child support hearing. Mike and I had had like a, hey, we won't go to front of the court because we're just going to work it out. We're going to be great co-parents. And then he never followed up with his end of the deal. Shocker. So my aunt is an attorney and she said, listen, Beth, we need to keep this child support thing on the docket because we just need to get in front of a judge. We're not actually going to talk about child support. So we went to the court, which I think it was like the next day or something, the next day after Preston was taken out of school, it was, or I'm sorry, taken out of his dad's house. It was very close in time frame. I don't know exactly how long, but either way, we went to the courthouse and, um, she submitted paperwork and photos of things that occurred and the judge left in the middle of a hearing, a different court case he left, got up and left out of that court case to come and grant me a no contact order. How serious does something have to be for a judge to get up and leave in the middle of a court case? Pretty severe, I feel like I'm not crazy. So 
he granted this no contact order, which was nice, but it really didn't make me feel better. If Mike wanted to get to Preston, he absolutely could. So I took a copy of this everywhere that Preston went, you know, to school, to, to sports, to whatever, wherever he was, they got a copy of this, this no contact order. Then because of all the things that were found in Mike's house, a CPS case was opened. So CPS had to go to Mike's house. They had to come to my house and then like to do an evaluation or a survey or whatever it's called. I'm not sure what it's called. Anyway, of the house and of the conditions. And, but part of this was he had to be forensically interviewed. And so what that looks like is you go to a police station and your child, in this case, my five-year-old was taken into a room without me. I couldn't even see him. And he was with a CPS worker and a and a detective and he was in there I don't even know how long it felt like a lifetime honestly but it was probably an hour and they just grill him for an hour this five-year-old boy um so we did that and then like I said CPS came out to my house and they said that my house was a moderate risk or medium risk or something. I still have the paperwork and I was kind of freaking out. Like I thought I was a great mom. How in the world is my house a medium risk? Are you kidding? I have food. He has his own room. Like everything is clean. What, what do you mean? He reassured me, the CPS guy reassured me that every house is like a medium risk. So there were no plugs on the outlets and he was five. So just random stuff, but not crazy. Um, And he said that that was perfectly acceptable. Most people will have a house that will rank like medium or whatever for danger. So, so yeah, that was it. Um, And then Preston started asking questions. Mom, why did the police come to my dad's house? Okay, well, that kind of catches me off guard. I don't know how to answer I chose to be as honest with Preston as I could. And if I could go back in time, I would do the exact same thing. I think that it has bettered our relationship and helped him to understand more. Because I know that he understands more than I know. Then he lets on. He knows more. So I had decided we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to tell him the truth as much as we can. Another reason I chose to do that is that I knew when he was an adult and his dad tried to have a relationship with him then, that he would try and muddy the waters and say, your mom never let me see you. Your mom kept you from me. Your mom called the cops on me. And yes, I called the cops on him. But I never once tried to keep him from his son. Never one time. And that will come in later episodes. But I never once, I went out of my way to ensure that he could have a relationship with his son, even after all this stuff. But again, I'll get into that later. But I didn't, I wanted Preston to trust my words as much as he trusted that the sky is blue and and Christmas is coming. I wanted him to know without a doubt, no matter who said what, 
that what I have said to him is the truth. My aunt explained it to me like this. Like, your kids have armor. And that armor is what you provide them with. You per- you send them into the world with this armor. And it's up to you how thick that armor is. So that way, when other people try to throw daggers or whatever, they can't get to your kid. That's what I was doing. I was building up his armor to know that regardless of what his dad said when he was an adult, he could look back and say, no, my mom did try to let me see you. She took me to Zap Zone to meet you and she helped me make a cake for your birthday. And I needed him to know that because I knew that it was going to be a nightmare when he was older. And another big thing that I decided was that I was never going to talk badly about his dad. I would tell him the truth. I would tell him facts without giving my opinion. I felt like because of the way his dad lived his life, he would have to defend his dad for the rest of his life. Preston would always have to defend his dad and his dad's actions. He should never feel like he has to defend his dad to me. That is not fair. And that is not my place. He will come to his own judgments of his dad on his own. I will not muddy those waters. That is not my place. So back to the questions. He, he would ask me all these questions. Who called the cops? When do I get to see daddy again? Why did they come? Just a million, billion, billion questions. And like I said, I answered them as truthfully as I can. I said, Preston, my most important job in the whole wide world is keeping you safe. And that means keeping you safe regardless of who you are with. You could be with grandma and grandpa. You could be with your teachers. You could be with daddy. You could be with your coach. It does not matter who you are with. My job is to keep you safe. And daddy was doing some things that were not keeping you safe. That does not mean that daddy is a bad person. That means daddy made some bad choices. That's what that means. Okay, well, mom, when do I get to see him again? Sweetheart, I don't know when you're going to get to see him again. The court, because daddy did things that did not make you safe, the court had to get involved to make sure that you are safe because not only am I trying to keep you safe, but the court is trying to keep you safe. And in order for daddy to be able to spend time with you again, there are certain things that he has to do to help make himself better for you. And as soon as he gets those things done, then he can absolutely see you. But until then, you can't see him because it's not safe. It does not mean he is a bad person. It means he made bad choices. And I I feel like he would ask me the same questions every day, every day. And I'm sure that it was his little mind trying to find reassurance that his world was okay and that his dad was okay. So I just repeated it. And to this day, I will remind him he's 12 now, Preston, what is my number one job? What's my most important job in the whole world? And he already knows. He gets so annoyed, rolls his eyes. It's keeping me safe, mom. Yeah, baby, it is. It is keeping you safe against everybody. Against everybody. I don't care who it is. That is my job. So we did that. 
and and that's that's what we did that's what we did in the beginning it was difficult and it was hard and I lost a ton of sleep trying to figure out what to say to him and what question he was going to come up with next and how to keep him safe and still work it was awful and I don't wish it on anybody I'm hoping that this podcast helps somebody in this similar situation or yeah in a similar situation because it is so hard to navigate and to know if what you're doing is right or if what their other parent did will do irreparable damage you don't know and that is a part that was so hard for me and still is is this gonna change him is of course it's gonna change him of course but is this gonna set him up to be a higher risk for addiction a higher risk for suicide it is it is setting him up for a higher risk for all of those things and that is terrifying I can't even tell you how scared it makes me that he is going to go down that path. So I am doing everything in my power to make sure that doesn't happen. And I'm hoping that maybe a little bit of what I have done can help you get your babies through this without doing irreparable damage and sending them down the same path that their parent went down whether it's their dad or their mom. It can happen to either sex. So like I said, I hope this podcast helps you. And I hope that you come back to listen next week. I apologize for this shit show. I am truly just winging it. And I have no notes, just winging it. So I hope that somewhere in this jumble of words... (laughs) there's something helpful. I hope you guys have a great week and I will put my next podcast out on Friday. Talk to you then.